0: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to today's episode of Talk Exchange. Our guest today is Sarah Sladek, who is a generational expert and thought leader. She's the founder of XYZ University, and we'll have some more information about Sarah in today's episode description. But the topic for today is Understanding Generational Differences and how they impact so many things, in particular membership. So we learned a lot from Sarah today, and it's just a great, great episode. A lot of really useful information, and so we hope you enjoy this one uh, as much as we did. Welcome to this episode of Talk Exchange. I'm the National Exchange Club CEO, Tracy Edwards. And I'm Christy Linda, the Director of Communications. I am so excited about our speaker today, Christy, because she has so much to offer in terms of helping our membership and our clubs stay relevant Mm -hmm. in today's world and their communities. You know, it's been, I would say, challenging for clubs to take a model. And I know Sarah sees this with all clubs and associations because they've been around for so long, which is great. It's a very traditional part of the fabric of society, but how do they change to stay relevant in today's world? So today we're excited to welcome CEO of XYZ University, Sarah Sladek. Sarah is also an author and a speaker. She has authored several books about the membership and association world. So we're excited to have you here, Sarah. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're excited to just um, pick your brain about all things regarding associations and the membership model, club meetings in particular, Mm -hmm. which as you know, are sometimes difficult to change because they're so traditional to that demographic. So, you know, in um, our model in particular, we're focused on helping members have an excellent member experience and they're tied to the national organization, but they joined that club, right? So, What would your advice be to a club to better attract members in a different way today? And what do they need to offer that you're seeing in today's market that people are really looking for as they look to join something? Mm -hmm.
1: Well, that's a really big question. Uh, We could spend (laughs) hours on just that question, but I'm going to try to boil it down. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so absolutely, we're seeing that people are joining associations for different reasons. It's largely if, if, if you give me just a moment to explain again in brief, this is my geek moment coming out here, but. It's really interesting to see when belonging kind of shifted and when engagement changed. And uh, people started joining for different reasons, looking for um, different types of benefits. And uh, that really began to occur in the late 1990s, which... A long time ago, but that's when we started to hear on a national level, and even national media covered it that, oh my gosh, what's going on? There's something in the water. Uh, All of a sudden, people are leaving associations. We're starting to see decline for the first time in a really long time. And, um, you know, this is uh, largely demographic. We also saw technological change during this time, if you remember the late 1990s, um, and we saw some economic changes beginning to occur. And so those things combined have really changed the outlook of associations and what people want from their membership experiences. So when we talk about clubs, and uh, whether we're talking about clubs, or talking about professional organizations, trade, it, it's all the same. What people need is to know that they belong and getting back to that feeling of belonging. What is belonging? Well, belonging is having a sense of ownership in something and a voice in something, realizing that your contributions value and matter. And if we're really, really honest, (laughs) if we're really honest, we can see that people who have been there for a while tend to feel that connection, that emotional connection. They feel like they belong because they have a voice, because they have relationships. They forged friendships. So for people who are new, they're coming into associations wanting all of those opportunities, regardless of age, um, they want all those opportunities to be accessible because they're used to having access via technology. And they want a sense of uh, community and security because there's a lot of disruption happening in society right now. So they're seeking friendships, they're seeking relationships, but if they come into an organization where things are just kind of a hot mess, (laughs) they're going to probably disengage. Or if they come into an organization and they're told you gotta wait your turn or pay your dues, they're gonna disengage. If they come into an organization, they say, gosh, you know, we have nothing available via technology, or we're still doing it the old fashioned way, they're going to disengage. So it's staying relevant and
2: meaningful to today's audience. Have you seen a shift, Sarah, in that trend reversing um, in the aftermath of COVID? No. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> I think, okay, so let me clarify. Yes, I think people are very, um, very appreciative of community and the options, and they're seeking options. In fact, it's really timely because the Surgeon General just came out. I, I don't know if you saw it in the headlines saying that we are experiencing a loneliness epidemic right now. Um, so, yes, people are craving it, but that's not to say that we're all of a sudden going to see a surge in people joining. If the association or the club does not meet the current, the the you know is not relevant and meaningful to the needs of the current audience. So, um, so there might be a little surge or a little blip, but then when people come in and they're like, "Gosh, I have no voice. Gosh, I there's no technology. Gosh, this isn't very modern," then we're going to see that that decline again.
0: Right, that makes sense. So something that you said caught my attention. What do you say to membership groups, associations, clubs who bring, say, a certain demographic of person into the club that they don't currently have, and they bring them in for the purpose of just letting them do all the technology?
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You mean like
1: the token young person? Yes,
0: yes exactly. <laughs> the Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> exactly. Correctly.
1: Like, you do right. all of that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not – that's just a Band-Aid that's not really truly making an organization club-wide commitment to this is important and valuable. This is now how we do business. This is something that we're all going to seek to adapt and change to. So whether it's social media or something else, um, that's a big mistake I see organizations make where they'll, they'll kind of bring in one young person and say guess what you're now chief tiktok officer (laughs) or they'll bring in young one young person on the board and it doesn't take very long for that person to feel really uncomfortable really alienated really singled out really pressured to okay Take care of our entire organization. Get us up to speed and modernize it. Um, it doesn't take long for that person to recognize that, oh, I'm meeting all these roadblocks because there isn't a community club-wide, organization-wide commitment to modernization. And, um, and, and it just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It actually really, really backfires in
2: a lot of instances. That makes sense. It does. So have you seen any models hybrid models, perhaps, that are working best for bringing the two age demographics together to help them meet in the middle?
1: Yes. I love that question. So (laughs) I am a huge fan of cognitive diversity. And cognitive diversity is the practice, again, being very intentional in saying we are a community, which... Mm You know, in associations, that should be natural, <laughs> but but I find that that's not often the case. But to say we are a community of members, and we need to um, act as a community and have the best interests of the entire community at heart and top of mind. So it's saying. We're going to be intentional about bringing very experienced leaders to work side by side with those who are new and of a totally different generation. And um, I, the best practices I see is uh, organizations that say, OK, this is now part of our bylaws. This is now, uh, you know, every, every decision-making table, whether that's a board or a task force or a committee or whatever the case may be, every decision-making entity needs to have at least 30% of the people, you know, under a certain age bracket or however you want to categorize it within their first five years of experience or whatever makes the most sense in your organization someone under the age of 30, 30% have to be kind of those early uh, career professionals. And then that immediately infuses a new approach to community building. And I think that's the beauty right now, because we've seen so much change happen in such a short period of time. We now have people of different generations with very different perceptions of the world very different skill sets, unique talents and ideas and perspectives to share. And everyone has something to learn and something to teach. So by bringing together both uh, both demographics, you know, and having a real mix of cognitive diversity, uh, organizations are much,
2: much more likely to be successful. That makes perfect sense. Definitely. So what I'm hearing is that, you really want your group to to be a little microcosm of the community. Yes. You want your community yes. represented by your membership.
0: And we say there a lot that clubs should reflect the demographics of the community, but this cognitive diversity takes it to a different level that just really intentionally makes that happen. Yeah. And, you know, when
1: you really stop to think about it, um, this concept of cognitive diversity is new Um, And sometimes challenging for organizations to wrap their arms around simply because, as strange as it might sound, we've never really learned how to work and build community in that way. Because since the beginning of time, (laughs) literally since the beginning of time, we've had hierarchy. And the elders of any given society had all the power, all the wisdom, and everyone would gather around and learn from the elder. And it's only been really literally in the past 20 years. That we've seen the flattening of that because, well, largely because of technological change and advancements, which now people are better educated, more informed, more global, different skill sets have emerged and career paths and all of that. So that's changed that hierarchical model to really show that, OK, we, we all have something, to learn something, to teach, but we have not yet really learned or mastered in our many pockets of our society, how to effectively team build and how to effectively work across generations or how to approach things with that cognitive mindset.
0: True. And you know, some clubs, and I'm sure you hear this a lot, they believe that the solution may be to offer different meeting times, to change that traditional model that that used to be and still in many places is the club meeting at lunch, where you have lunch, you have a speaker, and we see people moving away from that and just coming together around a project, which makes sense because this community concept you're talking about, when people are doing a project together, they feel that sense of community with one another and with their community rather than just at a lunch. So right. that does make yeah. sense. How do you encourage people to... Make that change though, if it you know, I'm sure you see that where people are just hesitant to make the change because that's the way they've always done it.
1: Yeah, those are the words of the uh, um I wish I had a dollar for every time I've heard someone you say and both, yes. But wait, we've always done it this way. Well, guess what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything, I mean, everything about the way we live work and do business has changed definitely and continues to change why wouldn't membership and our approach to it
0: absolutely
1: so I think um, you know what I I think what a nice initial step or an important uh, initial step is to dialogue and and that sounds yeah. so simplistic but I am, I continue to be surprised by how many association leaders will say things and do things like, "I think this is what young people want." Um, I, th- you know, we're going to make this change because I, I'm guessing because I have a child or grandchild around the same age, so this is going to work. And, and I, I I just caution against that approach. You need to roll up your sleeves and do the homework. And that means bringing people in. Um, most people are happy to spend an hour um, over coffee or pizza or whatever oh, and um, provide their, their thoughts. If you literally go to your target market with heart in hand, And say, we have a fabulous organization. However, we are struggling to engage people your age. We we believe we need to modernize. We need to be relevant. What would that look like to you? What would the ideal experience look like to you and your peers? And to do an actual think tank and uh, have some of those conversations. Um, Another exercise I've seen be really effective is when an an entire board will take 30 days and, and kind of be challenged one another. 30 conversations in 30 days with someone under 30. And it can be a total stranger in the grocery store. You just ask them a couple questions like, what's really challenging for you and your peers right now? I belong to this this uh, great community group, and we're trying to get other young people like you. What what would your advice be? And then everybody comes together and they compare their notes. What did you learn? What did you observe? Uh, you know, and what were the common themes? Um, but 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 the point being, don't try to guess. Don't do this in a silo. Actually do the community building part of going out and talking to your community and getting feedback right from the source.
2: And it's just so natural Mm -hmm. when you look at our mission and our vision and our motto, you know, to get your hands dirty, get in the community and talk to these Mm -hmm. people. You know, one of the things Mm -hmm. we've uncovered, Sarah, is that um, a lot of our younger members don't want to sit through those meetings. They don't want to plan anything. They don't want to talk about the budget. They just really want to do the work. That's what they're there for. Um, So we've challenged a lot of our clubs to look at that, um, to not encourage people to attend every single meeting because there's pressure associated with that. Yes. While those people might have a lot to contribute toward the projects. Um, Yeah.
1: So that is um, interesting insights. Um, Well, so I want to just share a little bit of perspective on that and why that is. Um, so when you think about things like technology, let's, let's just put it in the shoes right now of the current generation that's in, let's say, high school or even college. Mm-hmm. They've been raised going to school with technology being a component of that education. And something we don't really think about is we now have apps um, that show grades. <laughs> you can log into a website or an app at any time as a student and see exactly where you're at in that class, exactly the grade you got on the last test for this class. And you can see what you're ranked in terms of your your peers. And um, That's just one example. There's many examples that young people today have grown up literally visually dashboarding Mm -hmm. their progress. And so when they come into um, organizations, whether it's the workplace, we're actually seeing this in the workplace as well, or community organizations like yourselves, um, they come into these organizations and they go, well, wait a second, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do how to know when I'm successful, how to measure my progress, how to feel that sense of accomplishment, because everything's just kind of vague and floating out there in their opinion, right? And um, meetings aren't fast enough, tangible enough. (laughs) It's just not doing it. There is literally a communication gap. And so, um, so again, if, if, if leaders were out having conversations with the young people, they would recognize some of those trends. And that's just one of those things, as I'm pointing out. But there are many little generation gaps that exist and work against the mission of the club as it, as it currently stands. And a lot of times people don't even realize that that's a thing. But yes, young people tend to want things that have immediate return on investment. Immediate results, things
2: that are measurable, easy to understand, easy to participate. Mm -hmm. That makes perfect sense. It really does. My boys are adamant about checking their grades all the time to the point where it's almost obsessive. Um, But they do live in that world. You can see it in any household. The way my husband and I function, Mm -hmm. what we look at as a great successful day is very different than what they do.
0: Well, you're right. And even My son, who's older, he tracks his day-to-day work progress by dashboarding. So when you said that, I thought, oh yes, that's it. And he likes that satisfaction of knowing every day, here's exactly where I stand today. Yeah. So that's great advice. And I was thinking too about what a twist it actually is to have a conversation, because I'm sure you see this in service clubs and associations. People love to talk about what they do, right? Mm -hmm. And they remember the days when we had elevator speeches, right? So it all be all about yes. open your mouth and talk for two, five minutes about what you do. And then the person, you don't learn anything about what that person does, wants, if they want to be involved. So what you're talking about is the complete shift and really first finding out what they want out of this experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what we find is a lot of times... Young people want three things, young professionals as well as this younger generation that's coming up. They want to be able to learn something, <laughs> lead something, and they want to make a difference. Absolutely. And uh, so those three
0: things drive participation. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, what would you say to people? And we hear this a lot who say that, you know, somebody who wants to get involved and lead maybe doesn't know enough about an organization. We've shifted our thinking or tried to shift our thinking in terms of being better at attracting people with natural leadership so that they come in already prepared maybe for that experience. But it sounds like you're saying and encouraging people to. Change their mindset from "you need to be in this club for two years to learn something before you can do anything." By that time, you've they've lost interest, right?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, and again, we're dealing with we're dealing with uh, changing behavior. We're really dealing with social change, and that's Mm -hmm. what's changed how people interact and what makes them feel like they belong. And that's why we see generation gaps in organizations. So, um. And like we were just talking about with the dashboarding, we're talking about people under the age of, well, millennials are now, um, you know, on the upper end, 40. So let's just say roughly people 40 and under who've never known life without technology. And they're used to instant gratification, Mm -hmm. instant results, you know, on demand. Uh, So if, if anyone is told in today's age, just sit still, be patient, pay your dues, wait your turn. Kind of those hierarchical themes that we, you know, older generations have been raised with and that were part of the fabric of our society for literally centuries. Yeah. That approach does not work. That alienates and that creates um by today's definition almost a means of um almost a means of alienation, isolation, even discrimination, to say you don't have enough experience. Mm-hmm. You have nothing of value to contribute. And so um, that, cr- again, creates disengagement because mm-hmm. people, uh, young people do have something of value to contribute. Oh, yeah. It just looks different than mm-hmm. it used to Um and, and for a long, long time, it it was in that hierarchical era that young people had to earn their right at the table, mm-hmm. um, at the big kids' table, kind of, right. and um, the decision-making tables. And we're just seeing all of that literally just blown up, disrupted now. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so in and, and organizations, they're, they're, they can learn from young people, including how to use TikTok, but a lot of other things
0: absolutely. too. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, that
2: leads me to, <laughs> to another question though. So when you talk about the generations, and I'll use my family again because yes. that's what my experience is. My mom calls my children. My children don't answer. They text her back. Right. Communication is so, and they don't see it as impersonal. No. Um, So how does that play a role in what we're looking at with the changes in service clubs?
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, it's just recognizing that there are differences. And it's not about right or wrong, us versus them, which I often see, well, our way is the right way, your way is the wrong way. Um, That doesn't do anything to bridge gaps. So I think it's, it's... having those conversations. And again, it's so good to have those think tanks and to be in conversation with young people and just really observing Mm -hmm. trends. Um, You know, I, I often advise our clients, you know, really tap into for a period of time, youth related news and platforms. What are they watching? Um, what are you learning or gleaning from from their behaviors or what platforms are they on? you know things like that because when you can put yourself in someone else's shoes, you begin to see the world through their lens. But some of these communication gaps exist and again um, there, there's there's a lot of background to it you know um, again, when as I talked about and then, Late 1990s, we started to see dis- disengagement and some participation change. Well, another thing that changed during that time was parenting. Parenting really shifted. So it used to, you know, generations prior were raised to respect authority. Generations today are raised to question authority, and that's everything in the from household purchasing and being asked their opinions on what car to buy, what cereal to buy, to um, to to seeing politics on on uh, and cl- conflict on a global scale, and being able to tweet about it and um, even tweet their president if they want. Having that access, like the communication, is just simply it's changed. Our approach to parenting has changed. Um, There's more equality and inclusion than ever before, and that includes among young people. So if we can clearly understand where those gaps exist, we can create, co-create communities that are relevant and meaningful for everyone. But if we remain really rooted in and say, "Uh uh-uh, it's always been done this way, you're going to have to adapt obviously, you're going to see sustained decline. Um, And unfortunately, I've seen lots of associations just so stubborn about changing, so rooted in their traditions that they've gone by the
0: wayside. And so we want to prevent that. Change is the name of the game. And we're (laughs) proud to say we are all about that. We agree with you and we appreciate your perspective on this this our time has gone by way too fast but anyone listening my gosh you've just gleaned a lot of wisdom that can really help sure. a club a member any person looking to get involved we appreciate your time and we'd love to have you join us again at a later date to continue the conversation there's so much yeah. For everyone listening, if you want to learn more about Sarah Sladek, visit XYZ University and sarahsladek.com. Sarah, it's been a pleasure. Thank yes. you so much. And Tracy, you know,
2: before we can you. Go, before we go, I want to let everyone know that Sarah's also contributed an article to our upcoming magazine. Oh, fantastic. So we're going to have a thank lot you. more of this to share. Yeah, Wonderful. Well, yes. thank you for
0: your involvement and interest. and imparting your your great advice on how to help associations and membership organizations. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. It was fun. Thanks, Thanks. Sarah.